This NASCAR season, every member of the Toyota Racing Team is doing their part to take the trophy home. Like 6th grader Melissa Kowalski, who changes true to true X on every true-false quiz she takes. All my teachers are Martin Truex Jr. fans now. Keep up the great work, Melissa. To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. NASCAR season is here, and everyone on the Toyota racing team is doing their part to perform at the highest level. From driver Ty Gibbs to amateur musician Russell Viper, who's working on the perfect pre-race pump-up track for the team. Start those Camrys up! Yeah! To accomplish greater things this year, everyone plays a part. Be part of the action at toyota.com slash racing. Toyota, let's go places. NASCAR is a registered trademark of National Association for Stock Car Auto Racing, Inc. Are you aware you were going 40 miles an hour? This is a residential area. Sure, but I'm on my lawnmower. Wait, am I getting a ticket? No, I've just never seen anyone top 9 miles an hour on one of those bad boys. And mow their entire lawn in 30 seconds? What got into you? Well, I did fuel up at Sunoco this morning. At Sunoco, we know how to fuel peak performance. We've been doing it for American Racing for over 50 years. Fuel your best. Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash Spotify offer to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite teams out of market Sunday afternoon games exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6th. No refunds. The following is a production of the Motor Racing Network, the voice of NASCAR. The Motor Racing Network presents NASCAR Live Wide Open. Off the end of the back straightaway. Larson's going to send it. Larson's in the wall. Larson's on Hamlin's back bumper. Logano leads down the back straightaway. Keselowski's in line. Now he turns him. Both Team Penske cars crash. Keselowski is up in a ball of flame. NASCAR Live Wide Open is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. Now, here is your host, Mike Bagley. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another installment of NASCAR Live Wide Open here on the Motor Racing Network. Mike Bagley and the entire MRN crew here with you as we begin to navigate the off-season waters. Things are pretty tranquil around these parts as we get ready to head into Thanksgiving weekend and celebrate time with our friends and our families and basically reflect on what 2022 was as far as the awesome racing and the awesome race season that we just encountered together. Over the course of the next few weeks here on Wide Open, we're going to reflect back on some special moments from NASCAR Live Wide Open as we launched it back at the beginning of the year. And let's start there. Let's go all the way back to as we started the season, getting ready for the Bush Light Clash at the Coliseum. We visited with a gentleman that made magic inside of that L.A. Coliseum, although it wasn't on a racetrack. It was on the gridiron. Let's go back to our interview from Matt Leinert, back all the way from February. 
when we think Trojans, we think our next guest. Matt Leiter just joining us on NASCAR Live Wide Open. Matt, welcome to the show. How are we doing today? Listen, this is awesome. This is a first for me, you know, talking uh, talking NASCAR, being on the show. Thanks for having me. Uh, obviously, really excited uh, for this weekend. And uh, what a what a great, um, just great venue and, and, and just a really cool deal that NASCAR has come to the Coliseum. I can't wait to, to be there and to see it live. Well, I was okay. So let's pick a starting point here. Let's start with 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 you and what you've done inside of that Coliseum. A lot of folks may not know, but you're a, you're a very well decorated college quarterback. You played for the USC Trojans. You played under Pete Carroll. You played with Reggie Bush. You played obviously um, with a lot of great folks. But you've also played inside of a great venue mm-hmm. from from one who has already played in there and has been in there. What do you think about the L.A. Memorial Coliseum? What were your first thoughts when you first walked in that place? Well, the the, the first thoughts were just one one the historic nature of the building, the events that had been there. You know, I remember going into USC and um, you know the Olympics were hosted there, and just and obviously some of the old NFL teams, and it, it just it just the history and tradition is really what stands out before you even step foot in that field and you hear about it and you watch the videos and you see pictures and you're like oh my gosh like there's been some of the greatest sporting events to ever get there's some of the greatest athletes have participated and been inside the coliseum um so that's kind of the first thing and then and then obviously just just being lucky enough to get to play for usc and and step foot in that coliseum i i just the, the thing that stands out is obviously we had such a great run and, and the coliseum was rocking and you know they've renovated it since but but when i was there it was ninety thousand plus people every saturday um and there's just something special about it from you know i get goosebumps top talking about it but i always tell like from walking down that tunnel to where it kind of opens up to ju- just this sea of people um there's no really other way to describe it unless you kind of live it and you got to got to be a part of that um, and then I always say this, and I always tell him, I know, and I know the race is going to be during the day, but there, there was always something special about playing at the Coliseum at night. You know, when you when you had the torch lit in the fourth quarter, and you had a little bit of the clouds rolling in, and all of that, it, it just, it just, it just is a different type of feel there. And um, again, I was so fortunate to to play for USC, to play in the Coliseum, call it my home. Um, the best memories I have there. It's just, it's such a really special, unique place. I've heard it said that the measure of a great venue is how it is when it's empty. Have you been inside of the LA Memorial Coliseum when it's empty? And how does that feel? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've been plenty of times. I was just there uh, not too long ago when Lincoln Riley was, was, was uh, hired and he has press conference and, and they did the Coliseum. It's just, it's, you know, it's a lot like the Rose Bowl. You know, you look at the Rose Bowl, and if you see the Rose Bowl from an aerial shot, you know, you see the you see the mountains behind and all of that, and, and it's just such a beautiful backdrop. You know, the, the Coliseum, it's in a different kind of area with the, with the city buildings and the city, but there's just something special about it. You know, the peristyle end and um, all of those things, it just, it's just a very unique place. And then I think when you tie that in just with, knowing what's been a part of that i think that's what makes it special whether there's people in there or not it's it, it's a historical landmark you know in los angeles and in the country and that will never change you described what it's like when you come out of the tunnel and you know for the first few times i'm sure you're mesmerized you look up you mentioned the paris style and you mentioned the torch 
and 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 you're taking all of this in. How long does it take an athlete to say, okay, you know what, this place is pretty cool, but we've got business to do. How what's the transition like putting putting all of that out of your mind or or putting that to the side and focusing on the task at hand in your case, which was football? Yeah, I mean that's it's it's you know, I think it's it's pretty easy. Uh, I, I I always told people like I mean at the end of the day when the whistle blows and, and you got to go to work and you do your job like you kind of tune out all of those things I mean that's what that's that's what we're you know paid to do in the NFL and that's what we're supposed to do in college so um, I, I always love to embrace the environment as soon as I step on the field and warm-ups and because it's special and and those you know and, and now as I'm older and I look back I'm like gosh like that that's what makes those places special it's you don't want to be so rigid and robotic and hey i'm here to do my job yeah of course you are and you're going to do your job but but embrace the the elements especially i always like playing on the road too because it was it was kind of eighty thousand people versus you and your team and there was there was something unique about that but uh, just like anything and just like you know these drivers and the minute that race starts or the minute a game starts your job is is to compete and win your football game and to do your job. So you really, you know, you really tune out the atmosphere and you go handle your business. I will say though, it was always fun when defense was on the field because that's when our home crowd obviously gets rowdy and gets loud, and that's when you get a chance to really kind of embrace the atmosphere a little bit. You know, when 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 the other side of the ball is out there doing their work. So um, it's pretty easy though. You know, you, you just. You, just what you do you know you go out there you do your job you play between the whistles and then every every once in a while you can kind of yeah you, know, you get caught up in, in in the crowd and all that i think it's what makes it special obviously we're transitioning to nascar this weekend from from what folks normally expect coming out of the la memorial coliseum whether it be usc trojan football whether it be concerts whatever like that do you have much mm-hmm. experience in nascar what what experience do you have I really have zero, <laughs> to be honest with you. I, I, um, I you know, fo- I just I, I follow kind of every sport, whether it's race a little bit here and there. I have friends, um, I have friends who are big into NASCAR who've gone to races, and, and I've never been to a race. Um, and I've been told always like, oh, you got to go. It's such a unique experience. It's so exciting. Get down in the pit, and you're all all of those things. Um, and then, you know, I just, I've just never had the opportunity to do that. I am, I can't tell you how excited, how excited I am to be a part of this. Um, because one, just, I just, I think the Coliseum, this is what makes the Coliseum so unique. Uh, two, obviously being on Fox is where I work and all those things. And then three, just, you know, the, the first time here, I I believe we're calling it the clash, right? I I think Mm -hmm. it's, um, how I mean, just it just it's just such a unique venue to do this, and I think it's going to be amazing. And um, I'm happy to be a part of the kind of pre uh, pre race festivities. I think it's going to be pretty cool, and obviously, tons of memories in that place. There'll be, you know, the, the, it'll be rocking. The place will be sold out. All those things, and it's going to be just fun. I just I love I love all events all sports all athletes i love all of that so i'm just excited to to be able to witness that in person you mentioned the memories that you have from that venue what's the number one memory that you take with you uh that's a good question um i would say probably my senior year uh we played ucla it was my last home game there you know i came back for my senior year that was the last game it was the last game that 
um, before we ended up, well, obviously we had to win, but before we ended up playing Texas in the Rose Bowl. And um, it, was, uh, it was a really emotional game for me to start. I actually played horrible in the first quarter. But for all the reasons I just told you, it just, you, that place just, it means a lot and it meant a lot to me then. It meant a lot to me back then um, because the crowds and my family got to watch me play and, and just the memories and all the wins and the games and the battles we had on that field. You know, I, I uh, it was funny, actually, funny story. So um, we're beating up UCLA pretty bad that day, as, as we did during those three or four years runs. But that, that's a whole different story. But um, <laughs> we were up, I don't know, we were up by 30 or 40 points in the third or end of the third. And Pete was going to take me out. And um, he, I come to the sideline before play or something, and, and John David Booty, my backup, a good buddy of mine, um, was going to come in, and I said, I said, I said, Coach, just you know, let's call timeout, man. Let me, uh, let me just, let me just, just kind of soak this up a little bit one last time. So we called timeout, and uh, it was, it was such a really special moment for me. And there were tears. I hugged every one of my teammates that was on the field. Um, JD came in. I kind of walked off, and um, you know, the crowd was cheering. It, it was just, a, it was a really special moment because that place and those fans meant so much to me. So I really, that's one of the things that I'll always remember is I got to walk off that field, uh, you know, kind of waving to the fans and just expressing how much um, my time there was, was, how important it was to them and to, to how important they were to me and all of those things. So uh, that, that sticks out, obviously, tons of wins, tons of great, um, you know, battles with good teams, the players I got to play with. It was just a, such a fun experience. You described something that just gave me goosebumps because I remember that game. And when <laughs> when you go through it and you're trying to soak in that moment and you're trying to absorb all that moment gives you, with every passing day, does it get more special? Does it get more more refined like as you get older and you reflect do the emotions change mm -hmm. at all do they intensify at all well no yeah i mean it's it's different it's 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 funny because it's a lot like i mean what, the year i won the heisman trophy i was told hey you know no matter what happens you're always going to be known as a heisman trophy winner and i was 20 you know, I was 21 years old or something when I won, and I was like, "Yeah, that's great." And and obviously, I was appreciative and grateful and all of those things. But I tell everybody, and and, and all of those guys would tell you the same thing: that being a Heisman Trophy winner doesn't really hit you. The the, the impact and magnitude it has doesn't really hit you till you're older. And and it, it hits me now because I think like because because you start to think about what that means and 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 what it took to be able to be a part of that club and all those things. So. The same kind of goes with those moments and those memories when I reflect. Like I, you know, I, I, uh, I joke with Bob Stoops a lot, who's who's on the set with us in Big Noon Kickoff about the game against Oklahoma when we won the national championship. But sometimes I sit back and be like, "Wow, we really accomplished that!" Because I, I just, you know, I know how hard it is to win those things. And um, so, so yeah, I mean, it doesn't intensify. I just think it changed. I think perspective changed. I think you're uh, as I get older, I just I'm very grateful for to be able to have played for USC, to, to be a part of those great teams, um, you know, to, to kind of kind of pass down the stories to, to my to my older son who's 15 who wants to play football and basketball, um, and then eventually pass those stories on to my, to my two little boys. Um, it's, uh, you know, there's just so many great memories. But I think as in anything, 
you know, as you get older, you really, you can reflect and kind of just, it, your perspective changes on what you were able to do and accomplish and, um, and, and, and obviously in a good way. Wow, what a perspective right there. We were getting ready to change the Coliseum over to a racetrack from a football field. And then once the clash was done, the field was going to be returned in form of a soccer pitch because the L.A. Guiltinis had a game or a match, as they say, just days later. Some good times spent there with Matt. Speaking of good times, we never turned down an opportunity to visit with NASCAR Hall of Famer, NASCAR Cup Series champion, Daryl Waltrip. He has been around this sport for a long time. He obviously has earned the accolade of being a NASCAR Hall of Famer. DW joined us going into Darlington back in the spring. And if you remember, that's when Darlington moved the throwback weekend. We got DW's thoughts on throwback weekend. We were also about to find out who was going to be announced to be the next class of the NASCAR Hall of Fame. DW also provided insight about that process of going into those NASCAR hollowed grounds in Uptown Charlotte. Daryl Waltrip is back amongst us. Top of the morning, DW. How we doing? Yeah, good morning. Yeah, good to be on the show. How, how's things going? You like it? I love it. I love it. I especially love it that it's uh, Hall of Fame voting time, and we're going into yep. Darlington this weekend. Let's start with the Hall of Fame. You obviously are a NASCAR Hall of Famer, but I've always been curious, what is the wait like to hear your name called? Well, you know, it's kind of odd for me. Um, I, w- I was working at the time. I was working for a, um, the, the Speed Channel, uh, and so I was on the I was I was on the DS up there, and it was the second round, and they had already announced the first round. So we're into the second round, and and, uh, and Winston Kelly come on and said, "Don't worry, buddy, you're a shoe in." I said, "Thanks, pal. I appreciate it." So I was kind of. I was kind of waiting for him to call my name, <laughs> and guess what? He didn't call my name, so it was it was disappointing. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I I I worked through it, and uh, I was in the third round, and that was fine because Kale and myself and a couple of three others, you know, Richie Evans, we were all uh, the third round, and that was great. But look, here's the thing about it. I've been in, I've been inducted into many many Hall of Fames, and I'm proud of every one of them. But there's nothing greater. No greater honor than you can have when it's the NASCAR Hall of Fame. And particularly now that we have a, a place we can call home, uh, it, was just, it was just a huge honor. And uh, I, was, I was just thrilled to death and uh, excited about it and, and proud to be a part of it. I know that no driver sets out to be in a NASCAR Hall of Fame. You want to win races, you want to win championships, and if you do enough of that, then, then the latter will take care of itself by, by getting into the Hall of Fame. But as as a driver that's contributed a lot to the sport, I'm not just speaking about you specifically, but just in general. When a driver adds so much to the to the sport, do you want folks to remember you, or or is that one of the things that's front and center for you that you just want to be remembered, your accomplishments and 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 your ambassadorship be remembered on a longer term? <laughs> well, it, it's kind of funny, you know. I, I grew up in Owensboro, Kentucky. And I remember with my little transistor radio, listening to races on WSM. I could barely get it, to get, you know, in and out. Uh, WSM was in Nashville, and and Junior Johnson was my hero, and I, I and, and and AJ Foyt was my hero. When I when I drove my modified car, I wrote I wore red golf gloves and a bandana, and I let it fly out the back like AJ did. So those were my heroes. Uh, but 
in my wildest dreams uh, did I ever think. And, and, and you know, here's a funny thing I'll tell you. A lot of people don't know I ever drove. There are a lot of people that, you know, I started my TV career in 2001. A lot of young drivers, young fans, uh, you know, just started following the sport right along there. So a lot of people think all I've ever said is boogity, 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 let's go racing, boys. Uh, and, and that's great. I'm, I mean, I'm, I've had two great careers. I drove and had a lot of success. I was in TV for a long time, had a lot of success. So I've had two great careers. But it always kind of amazes me when people say, wow, I didn't know you drove. What, 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 who did you race with? I think, what are you, are you kidding me? But it, it, that's just, that's kind of the world we live in today. So yeah, I, I love the Hall of Fame because it does give us a chance to look back on what we've accomplished and not just me, but all the others, what they've accomplished, what they've contributed, what they meant to the sport. And uh, to get inducted in the Hall of Fame, that's just icing on the cake. That's, I mean, you, you built the cake and, and then the Hall of Fame comes along and they, and they put the icing on it. And that's what I love. When you look back at your driving career, what's your proudest moment? Oh, wow. Gosh. <laughs> well, you know, I, my first win was in Nashville. And I, I always thought, I don't care how, you know, where you are or what you're doing. And you figure if you can't win at your own home track, you probably can't win anywhere. So, 75, I won my first race in Nashville. And um, that was a great day for me. My family was with my grandmother who took it all the race when I was a kid. Uh, my mom, my dad, everybody, my, my mother-in-law, everybody was there. It was just a huge celebration. That was a great win, 87, Martinsville. Uh, that's the only race I won that year, driving the Tide car, me and Waddell. Uh, that was a, that, that was the weekend that uh, Jessica was born, and so it was kind of a special weekend. Uh, and, and, and you never forget, <laughs> you, you remember the first one, you remember the last one. I was in Darlington in 92, uh, you know, when I won the race, even though it was rain-shortened. Uh, we were fortunate enough to be leading the race, and and uh, I won that race. So there's just and the Daytona 500. There's a lot of. I don't think any one race sticks out more than the other. It's just a, kind of a sum of all the parts. There's so many, so many options from which to choose when you look at your <laughs> yeah. successful racing career. And you mentioned Darlington. Let's transition into what we're about to do this weekend with the Goodyear 400 racing at Darlington Raceway. You've won there five times. You just mentioned you won the Southern 500 back in 1992. You know, you got a lot of these younger drivers now coming into this sport, and some of them have been to Darlington a time or two. If you could walk into the garage, put your arm around one of these young drivers, escort them over to a stack of tires, and give them the lay of the land at Darlington, what would you tell these young drivers about the place? Well, you, you don't race the competition. Uh, I, I know that sounds that sounds absolutely reverse of what you would think, but you have to race that racetrack. Uh, that was a track where I learned how to anticipate. You have to anticipate where you're going to catch people. You have to make passes at certain spots, or you can't pass just any place. Just because you catch a guy doesn't mean you're going to sail right by him. So always think about the word anticipation. And that's what I, I, I tried to use that all the time when I went to Darlington. I learned that the hard way. Made a lot of mistakes there in the beginning. But in the, in the end, I learned how to anticipate. Catch people on the straightaway, catch them on the straightaway, and be clear in the corner. So you just kind of, that, that's the key to me. If, I, if it's Kyle Larson or... Or, or any of those kids that I could put my arm around, that's what I've done. You just got to learn to anticipate, look ahead, think ahead. Uh, even pit road treacherous. Everything about that joint treacherous. So you got to always be thinking ahead about what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. You know, it's funny. Some of these young guys, they get four fresh tires, and they they take off like they were shot out of a launch pad at Cape Canaveral. But the funny thing about <laughs> that is 
for those one or two laps and they're like man look at me i'm hauling around this place and it's always when you see that i think you'll be back you'll be back sooner than you realize it when you when you burn up those tires and come back i would think that that's probably one thing that a driver needs to understand just because you've got four fresh ones they're not going to be very fresh for long oh no you you can go you know you get four tires on everybody's on old tires you're going to sell right by but you know what you're going to end up with eventually a darlington strike and 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 even though it's not as bad maybe today as it used to be uh used to when you got in that guardrail or got in that wall uh, pretty much that was the end of your day so uh I, I always remember we'd do a show and and we'd count how many cars so maybe 18 20 cars that had been into the wall with the darlington stripes so uh you just always got to be thinking about that. It, it, it's truly, I don't know of any other racetrack, Bristol maybe, but it's Darlington for sure, where you have to pay attention to what you're doing, not just every now and then, but all the race long. 500 miles, a tough race, hot, slick, you're moving around, competition, you, you, gotta, you just got to race the track and not let other people get to you to make you do something you, you regret. You know, one of the most amazing Darlington memories I've had involved you and Richard Petty back in 1979. You know where I'm going with this, that that last, what, three or four laps? He takes the lead. You pass him back. He passes you back. You pass him back. But you're doing it in these land yacht cars, and you're avoiding each other with look like inches. I mean, he'd drive it in deep. He'd slide up. You'd cut it to the bottom. Then you'd slide up. Then he'd come under you. Yeah. Do you remember that day? Oh yeah, I remember it so well. It was '79 was a great year for me. I should have won the championship that year, but I was, I was, a, I wasn't, I was, I outsmarted myself. I, I beat myself a couple of times and cost myself a, a championship in '79. But that race, particularly uh, the last ten laps of that race, uh, as you said, Richard passed me and passed him back. He passed me and passed him back. And I knew when the white flag came out, I knew what I wanted to do. I just didn't know if I could do it or not. And so with the third turn, which is the first turn now, you go in the third turn, you're gonna if you go in there pretty hard, you're gonna push up. You're gonna push up right next to the wall. And I knew I kinda had Richard where I wanted him. I knew he was gonna go in a little hard and he was gonna push up. I was gonna cut under him. It all worked out. Donnie Allison was Donnie was right behind me. I didn't realize how close Donnie was at the time. But uh, yeah, that was that was that was kinda like I, I think I, I think it was a statement race for me. Uh, I raced the, the king. We didn't touch. We never, I don't think we laid a fender on each other in those last 10 laps. And I came out on top and I thought, I thought, I beat the king. Yeah, I beat the king. Now I'm the king. Uh, well, I was for that day anyway. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we love Daryl Waltrip. We love Stevie Waltrip. We love the entire Waltrip family. And we appreciate Daryl for making time with us here in 2022, as he always does. Folks, that's going to put a wrap on this week's installment. Again, we're going to be in best-of mode. We're going to be flashing back to some of the moments of 2022. Of course, NASCAR Live Tuesdays. We'll have you covered there as we continue to work our way through the holiday season. Basically, reflect and flash back to the moments of 2022 while pivoting and previewing and looking forward to more anticipated events in 2023. For producer Trey and the rest of the MRN team, I'm Mike Bagley. We thank you so much for the downloads all year long. Thank you for checking out what we do here on NASCAR Live Wide Open. And we can't wait to reconvene again. Until then, have a great holiday season. So long, everybody. NASCAR Live Wide Open is brought to you by Toyota. For the latest Toyota racing information, visit toyotaracing.com. 
Buying a house can feel like you're going 200 miles per hour in bumper-to-bumper traffic with a dirty windshield and the sun in your eyes. Ruoff Mortgage has the technology, expert staff, and resources to simplify the process while speeding up the time it takes to get clear to close. So while getting a loan can seem intimidating, Ruoff Mortgage will have you opening the door to your new home fast and stress-free. Visit Ruoff.com to learn more. That's Ruoff.com. Do you have an unused car, truck, motorcycle, boat, or RV taking up space? Put it to good use by donating it to the NASCAR Foundation. Proceeds help fund medical resources for children in our racing community. Your wheels can heal. Call 844-NASCAR-9 and we'll come tow away your vehicle for free. The process is quick and your gift is tax deductible. Call 844-NASCAR-9 to donate your vehicle to the NASCAR Foundation today. Your donation will help our children survive and thrive. 